0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to episode 81 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate here. Just wanted to update you before the show starts that, well, the show is going to be an abridged version this week. We have a conversation about a uh, WWF special from the USA Network in 1993, and then Aaron and I also had a very drunken conversation about uh, who are our top 10 favorite funny fuckers are, whether it be wrestling, stand-up comedy, movies, etc. Um, but that that second part of the show, I'm having a problem with the audio file, so I'm trying to figure that out, and I am trying to fix it. But I didn't want to wait. Um, it's, been, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a new show, so I didn't want to wait to post the show. So It's going to be kind of an abridged version of this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but I still hope you enjoy it, and let's get this party started. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I'm Nate Maxson, your host, and before we get the show started, I want to uh, take this time to remind everybody, as I do every week... Check out two awesome groups on Facebook. Two, not just Facebook groups, not just about action figures, not just about collecting. It's about community. And those two groups are The Era and The Asylum. you got to rock with The Era. you got to rock with Archie Mitchell, who was on the show a few weeks ago, as those of you that listen regularly heard that. Um, Patrick Mancinetti, Dave Duncan, Petey Gleason, all the guys at The Era doing the best they can for their their members and their group. We appreciate you guys, and I appreciate it definitely. And also the Asylum, David Gold, Nick Francis, John Majewski. Uh, I just can't say enough about these two groups. Um, they they do raffles for, you can win, I'm going to tell you, I've won many, many figures from these groups, and I'm, I spend five, six, seven dollars on a raffle and get a three four hundred dollar figure you know it's it's just like the lottery you're playing the odds but it's fun and you don't have to spend a lot to win i have won i won a a graded red card undertaker hasbro in a raffle in the asylum that john majewski did um i i'm pretty sure this item would probably sell to a collector for probably six to seven hundred dollars i put ten dollars in the raffle So, you know, and not just that, but also they support it. We support each other in the group, um, in the groups. Um, Just I can't stress enough if you're a collector or just uh, just a lover of wrestling. Uh, There's just sometimes there's no raffles going on. There's no nothing like that's going on. It's just discussing wrestling with each other. Just a brotherhood, Uh, brother and sisterhood. Sorry to the female members of the groups. But I just want to, again, uh, stress the fact that these two groups are amazing. Um, and it's <sighs> something I just discovered just uh, just over a year ago um, when the era had a booth at a Heroes and Legends of Wrestling show that I went to in Fort Wayne. And I met Pat and he gave me a card. I joined the group and now I have friends and New Jersey and Indiana and and, and areas like that 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 I would never have had friends from. I do regard these guys as friends. So I cannot stress enough, again, Asylum, The Era, look those groups up on Facebook. Let them know that uh, the We Can't Wrestle podcast sent you that way, just so they know that we're giving them the love. And uh, to all you guys in The Era and The Asylum, thank you very much for your friendship. Thank you very much for your, your common bond. And, uh, well, you know what? Let's get this show started. Let's get this show on the road. This week we are going to discuss a WWF show on the USA Network from 1993. It is the Sunday Night Slam from 1993. We're going into the, uh, I told Aaron before we don't use enough of the, um, the hidden gems on the network. So we're going to go into that, uh, this week. And we're going to discuss funny fuckers. Uh, Any genre of entertainment, whether it be stand-up comedy, actors, wrestling, our ten favorite funny fuckers in the history of the world. So, that being said, let's get this show started. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get this shit done. Another edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast is on right now. All right, Wrestling fans, welcome to episode 81 of the Weekend <laughs> Wrestle Podcast. Aaron's starting off with a nice belch. I'm a, I'm a few deep, too. And uh, on this week's edition of the show, we are going to have two great topics for you. I guess they're great. We're going to talk about uh, November 21st. Well, that was the air date. I didn't research when it was taped. But November 21st, 1993, it is the Sunday Night Slam I didn't know that. I thought it was called the Survivor Series Showdown, but it was actually called the Sunday Night Slam uh, leading up to the Survivor Series in 1993.
1: Oh, oh, no. I watched the wrong show. Oh, shit. I watched Bret Hart versus Yokozuna for the WWE Championship.
0: Yeah, you watched the right show.
1: I was making a joke because that's oh. according to that. That's the title of the show. <laughs>
0: okay. I was like, oh, fuck, the show is fucked. <laughs> Yes, it was the, the Sunday Night Slam, 1993, leading into the, the Survivor Series that year. And yeah, like Aaron said, it was uh, finding it on the network. was like uh, figuring out the fucking uh, the uh, Da Vinci Code, trying to find that shit. But I happed upon it a couple of weeks ago. Now... That being said, we're also going to discuss comedic figures, whether it be pro wrestling, whether it be uh, movies, stand-up comedy, funniest fuckers as Aaron put it of all time. That's what I decided to title that segment. It's the funniest fuckers of all time. And we're not allowed to we're not allowed to include ourselves, right?
1: Well, I guess I'll have nine on my list then.
0: <laughs> so Anything you want to say about anything going on in wrestling or anything before we start this review of this uh, Sunday Night Slam?
1: Nope.
0: I don't know if we've talked about the Jim Cornette controversy yet.
1: I'm not going to.
0: So what I'm going to say is, if Jim Cornette would have said cotton candy, if Jim Cornette would have said hamburgers, if Jim Cornette would have said any food but fried chicken, it wouldn't have been a controversy. But that being said, let's start this off. November twenty first, nineteen ninety three, and you know what I gotta say? Watching this show, I know you. Uh, you commented before we started recording that it wasn't great, but it was still. It still harkened back. Like I miss shows like this. You know what I mean? I miss this.
1: I miss this era, but I don't miss something like this. <laughs>
0: The the first thing I wrote about the open was them horns, because you got that horn Survivor Series music that they tried to hang on to well into the 80s. Um, And then I I loved the open of this show, because the open of this show included Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, and Jim Ross just playing off of each other. I actually really liked
1: it. Vince McMahon and Bobby the Brain Heenan in front of a raucous, rowdy, four hundred and sixty capacity filled <laughs> green screen.
0: I love Bobby was like, Vince said something about Mister Fuji, and or, and Bobby was talking about he didn't feel good, and then he said it's it's not the hot fudge sushi.
1: <laughs> it wasn't the hot fudge sushi that we ate, and then. Gorilla Monsoon and Jr. were talking, and Jr. said, Bash and Booger's the only restaurant that has his own hump. <laughs>
0: I wrote it down, too. Has his own hump. And then Gorilla Monsoon says something about Jurassic Pork.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't win the match, he's going to go back. Bash and Booger's going to go back to Hollywood and make his new movie, Jurassic Pork. <laughs>
0: it was... I thought this open was great. I really enjoyed it. Just...
1: And I don't know... This was Bobby... This was... this. This was Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard just writing this was like their humor.
0: <laughs> but it was funny. I mean Jurassic Pork.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Bruce Pritchard, we're gonna have to see Rio Rogers later. Yes, we are. Yes. Bobby Heenan said that Helen Hart was gonna get dressed up. And I thought this was funny. I thought this was the funniest.
0: Thing. I don't think I don't think I remembered that
1: one. Yeah, and Bobby says that Helen's gonna get like because he's like you know how Robin Leach goes to the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Well, Rio Rogers and Shawn Michaels are going to the Hart House, and Helen's gonna get all dressed up. And Vince is like, really? As well, Helen's gonna put on her best looking dirty dress. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I, don't, I must have like zoned out for a minute because I don't remember oh, actually, that well, joke. That's it's a good joke. joke. Maybe, <laughs> but,
1: and, like maybe you didn't think it was funny as I did because you didn't even laugh. Like there was a bit of a. A pause, but yeah, he's like she's gonna put on her best looking dirty dress. <laughs> I just thought that shit was great.
0: So our opening match for the show, and this show was,
1: by the way, oh yeah, what we just talked about is the fucking highlight of the show. That joke? No, just well, yeah, but just the, the opening. Open.
0: Yeah, the open was fun. I really,
1: really downhill like I from here.
0: So our our opening match on this show is do the Clown. Versus Bastion Booger. Another thing I found humorous during this this match, and I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, just to be funny or sarcastic or whatever. But during the whole match, Jim Ross refers to Bastion Booger as Mr. Booger during the whole match. And, of course, this match is recorded at the legendary Fernwood Resort. I saw the tarp <laughs> on the wall in the back. Lots of lots of uh, Monday night Raws during the '93 to '95 era at the Fernwood Resort. Um, you know, I wrote down this match wasn't as bad as I expected, and you it know, was worse. It, it, the the thing is about Booger Muck and Sing, whatever you. He, he got saddled with that shitty gimmick, okay? But I have to say, for his size, the guy wasn't terrible in the ring. I, I really don't think he was like. Any
1: incarnation of Mike Shaw is trash.
0: Yeah, really? I I didn't. I didn't. I don't hate on him that much. I I like I said. I think. I mean, the gimmick was stupid, and and Friar Ferguson was stupid. He got he got saddled with a bunch of dumb gimmicks in the WWE, but I thought for a (laughs) big fat fuck he he didn't he wasn't terrible. And I don't know if you've ever watched his stuff when he was Muck and Sing,
1: but it sucked.
0: And then of course we got the Ray Apollo doink here, so nothing or, nothing to write home about there. And then what the fuck was the pizza thing at the end of that?
1: <laughs> Tabasco sauce on his pizza.
0: Yeah. And of course it just works out that Bastion's gonna eat that pizza right after the match. You know?
1: Yeah, and it was my my notes are Bastion burger with pizza versus Dunk the Clown. The fuck?
0: So now we go to highlights. Mashed, no, go ahead.
1: Booger fell off that scooter. That was supposed to be funny. That wasn't.
0: <laughs> the match, this that, match. The match was match
1: negative, negative 11 stars. The the match
0: that this led up to was awful, too. With the uh, the doinks. It was. Uh, it turned out to be the Bushwhackers and Men on a Mission against uh, Bam Bam, Booger, and the Head Shrinkers, I believe. Yes. Which didn't make any sense, but I wasn't doink in the fucking match. But anyway, that's 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 your doink booking after uh, Matt Bourne left. All ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. So next up, we uh, we get a recap video of the uh, the Tatanka Ludwig Borga angle. Um, which Ludwig Borga, like at the time back then. I was into Ludwig Borga. Now I know what a piece of shit he was, apparently. <laughs> the guy was a real a real. Piece oh,
1: yeah, he was <laughs> a horrible human being. And like I said, well, I mean, I kind of wrote on my notes that, that uh, I still like him. Like, when he's yeah. on, I still am entertained by Ludwig Borga, even though I knew he's kind of a piece of shit.
0: Supposedly the land of milk and honey. Where I'm standing, <laughs> it just smells funny. Yeah,
1: uh, like... like... He he had some good lines and I liked him in the ring, which is weird mm. to say, but yeah, I, mean, I got no problem with Ludwig Borga.
0: Aaron knows, also Aaron knows for a fact that back then I was a big Tatanka mark. Um, but this was the angle where they ended Tatanka's winning streak. I think he he had a winning streak of like a year and a half or something like that, and uh, and Borga pinned him with one finger because of interference from his foreign fanatics team partners. Uh, which took Tatanka out of the match at the Survivor Series. Yes, and he was replaced by the Undertaker with an American flag in his coat, <laughs> which I always thought was weird. Like, why did they? Why did that happen? Why, I don't. I, to the best of my knowledge, Chris Chabas wasn't injured.
1: I have no idea, but I know that the Undertaker did destroy that coat. From every story I've heard, the Undertaker did not want to do it, and then took it home, and apparently his dog ate just the liner of the jacket.
0: <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> uh, then
1: Rougeau interviews this collection of guys:
0: the all the all Americans, Luger, the Steiners, and Taker. There is a good promo in there. One good promo in there. Got that? No.
1: Those guys. Well not on this day
0: no not on this day but uh overall
1: Ray got... Rougeau Ray Rougeau always sounded like he was asking a question even when he wasn't asking a question
0: <laughs> <Yokozuna>.
1: <laughs> like he didn't have like I don't know why I like in the ring and everything like Ray Rougeau I like I love the Fabulous Rougeau brothers and all that mm-hmm. but Ray Rougeau in this role, no good.
0: (laughs) He wasn't a good interviewer. Aaron and I always joke about WrestleMania 9 um, because of the way Ray Rougeau says Yokozuna when he's talking to Bret Hart. Tonight you're going to defend your championship against Yokozuna.
1: (laughs) What were you talking to Hulk Hogan about? Hulk Hulk Hogan and Yokozuna. It's like, Pat Patterson has a better grasp on the English language than fucking Ray Rougeau does. (laughs) The Luger can't speak, the Steiners can't speak, and then you think, oh my god, we're through it, we're to the Undertaker, and Then the Undertaker says, maybe the Survivor Series should be called the Elimination Series. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was weird too, I was like, what? <laughs> what is, who's writing this? Like, this is trash.
0: The Elimination Series.
1: That's not even something the Undertaker would say.
0: And then in two thousand two, Vince McMahon was watching that promo and he was like, "Elimination Chamber."
1: This <laughs> is just—it's rough, man. This is a rough show.
0: <laughs> uh, by the way, folks, we're going to be digging into those hidden gems more often here on the show. Maybe we'll come across some some real hidden gems now. Now, I will say this. Next on the show, they recap one of my favorite angles
1: in the Whoa, WWF in the early 90s. Oh, you missed something. I did. Yes. You missed another gripping edition of How to Order Pay-Per-View with Todd Pettengill. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I, yeah, all right. That was there. I remember it. I remember it. Another. You say another gripping edition.
1: <laughs> That's what they said. He said, welcome to another gripping edition of... How to order pay per view with Todd Pettengill. Let's talk. Tune in next week for another episode of (laughs) How to Order pay per view with Todd Pettengill.
0: Let's talk about that cat for a minute, because I like Todd Pettengill. I do too. I think Todd Pettengill was funny. And I actually, when I was, you know, what is this, 93, so 14, 15 years old. I liked Saturday morning watching WWF Mania. I, I always thought Todd Pettengill was... He was aces in my
1: book, you know? The beginning of it, he says, you know, it's like, you know, order pay-per-view, or like, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, it was like a pain in the ass. You had to get on the phone and call, and some Russian broad, and it was like her first day. Want <laughs> to order what? You know? It was just... It was funny. But... <laughs> It was, it was silly. It was silly funny. And I just liked the fact that he said, Welcome to another exciting episode of How to Order Pay-Per-View with Todd Pettengill.
0: And that was essentially mania, too. You know, like, it, it was yeah. silly fun. You know, it was, it was fun. And, yeah, like I said, I thought the guy was a good personality. I don't think that he gets enough... Um, and this era gets ignored a lot by WWE anyway. But I don't think he gets enough credit. Because he wasn't a bad interviewer either. And that was the thing, too like he did his goofy shit on mania but when it came to the pay-per-views you know and interviewing interviewing Bret Hart before a title match or something like that he was serious he was decent he was a, i mean he was no mean gene okerland but if you had to get somebody in there to, to replace mean gene it was definitely better than that Joe Fowler cat yeah cuz that guy was bad <laughs> i'm Joe Fowler the 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 most anno- one of the most annoying segments me in the history of raw honestly is when they when they had to vacate the the intercontinental title so they were going to have that battle royal where razor and martel wound up at the end and they have the week before they have this report with joe fowler about that battle royal and he's going through the stars and he's like bastion booger he stinks the model rick martel arrogance like he's got some little thing to say about every oh god, it's so annoying. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Mabel men on a mission. Okay. Yeah, that's their tag team name, you fucking fuck. Uh, yeah, I was just glad sorry, I went on a rant there, but I'm glad Mabel. I'm glad I'm glad Joe
1: F- that guy <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Finish.
0: Ludwig Borga. Finish. Won't be involved in the finish, but he's finished.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Typhoon. Who knew he was still here?
1: <laughs> Typhoon. Fat guy with a permi mullet. <laughs> it's just, just like describing everybody.
0: Yeah, that's essentially what it was.
1: <laughs> Razor Ramon.
0: Harry Chest huh? likes alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Snuka. Yep, yeah, we brought him back. <laughs>
1: Jimmy Snuka. Illiterate cokehead.
0: <laughs> Murderer.
1: <laughs> Murderous illiterate cokehead. Brada. Oh,
0: what a super, super, super guy he was. Uh, all right, so. Like I said, like I started to say before, we got on that little rant there. Um, next, we recap one of my favorite angles of the early '90s. Actually, it is the Crush Randy Savage story. I I really, I really I, like this angle.
1: I, I wrote that down too. I said I liked the Savage Crush feud, but the WrestleMania payoff was bad. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. He hangs him up, and then he actually like falls down.
1: Yeah, and it should have been it should've just been like a false count anywhere match.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the having to get to the ring it just complicated things. Yeah. Um but yeah, you're right. It was it was like a shitty finish to a great feud cuz it was it was um they did this right in that throughout. We didn't just it wasn't just magically that Randy Savage and Crush were friends. You know? Yeah. And they, I mean, they never made a big deal about it, but they would always say, like, when, w- from, from when Crush came in, like, as that Kona Crush character, Savage acknowledged on TV, that's my buddy, that's Crush. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's my friend. So it wasn't like, I, I don't mean to get into the modern product, but it wasn't like that Cody MJF thing where all of a sudden they're buddies just for the intent of having an angle three weeks later. Yeah. Um, so. Even though they weren't like tag team partners or anything, it was alluded to and then just the whole thing was so well done. Um, like they had a they had a uh, you know, one of the Raws leading up to it. Vince is talking to doing one of those uh telephone interviews they used to do on the show. Vince is talking to Crush on the phone about his injury, et cetera, et cetera, from the match with with Yokozuna and um then when Savage starts talking, Crush just hangs up. You know, little subtle things. And then, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't mean to harp on it, but this is definitely one of my favorite angles that they did in this era. Um, it was up until up until the goofy finish to the feud. It was probably the the, the most realistic thing they did in this cartoonish era. You know. Yeah. Good shit. You know, Savage talking Crush down and then Crush faking the thing and then giving him the, the clothesline on the outside. So we follow this up with a match of the NWA NWOB team.
1: Yep. It is my notes say Virgil versus Crush. Damn it.
0: <laughs> we got Virgil and Crush. At least they didn't give Virgil the entrance. You know, he was in currently in the ring.
1: Yeah. uh, This match got, like, one star just because I like Crush.
0: Virgil is the uh, modern Ralphus, by the way.
1: It's terrible.
0: But anyway, yeah, the match wasn't great. Crush gets the win. Just pretty much a squash. And now, well, we have some interaction between Gorilla and Bobby. Because they're building toward... Bobby leaving the WWF here in a few weeks. Where uh, <laughs> it's one of the great exits in professional wrestling. <laughs> the fucking toilet paper.
1: And, and yeah, man. I thought like the like plastic spoons. Like he has all the <laughs> plastic spoons.
0: You know, Heenan picked what was going to be in that suitcase. Yeah. You just know it.
1: Like well, I, the I want. Toilet paper's <laughs> funny, but to me, the plastic spoons are the funniest. <laughs> He's like, like he I, want, I want
0: I I want, want some cheap cutlery, <laughs> some toilet paper, <laughs> a do-rag. <laughs> like, there's just this random shit in that fucking bag when he gets thrown out of there by Gorilla Monsoon. It's the greatest exit <laughs> in WWF history. It's fantastic.
1: Him and Batista.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, Batista is great, too. He's in that wheelchair with that fucking
1: cast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just pissed.
1: Just I fucking you pissed. People. He's just pissed. <laughs> uh, that, you're right. That is great. I forgot about that. <laughs> so, you know, what do Bobby Heenan and Batista have in common? They have the two greatest exits in WWE history.
0: Those the ungrateful.
1: Yeah. He's in that fucking, either one of them in, went out graciously.
0: He's in that fucking wheelchair.
1: I forgot all about <laughs> that
0: shit. That <laughs> <it> was good. <laughs> Oh shit! I forgot all about it. <laughs> so now we get to what I wrote down was a horrible segment. This was oh, terrible. Yes. This was a- almost unwatchable. Like I-, I was almost wanting to just fast forward through it. Like this is fucking horrible. Where Rio Rogers, who is Bruce Pritchard doing his Dusty Roads impression, to entertain one man, Vince McMahon, and Shawn Michaels, go to supposedly the Hart House. And there's two people dressed up in creepy masks
1: posing. Uh, 2019 Ric Flair answers the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this was just so bad. Yeah. I I mean, I don't even know what to say about it. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what, what, there's not a highlight, there's nothing that sticks out it was just horrible
1: like and they go into like the room and like the the fake stew heart doesn't even it was it was horrible like this this made me mad but
0: also didn't help it and I think I think their point was they were trying to get heat on Sean Michaels obviously because because of the um, Jerry Lawler scandal,
1: yeah, he took his dick out of the Dairy Queen or something.
0: <laughs> Lawler had to be taken out of the match at Survivor Series, so they inserted Shawn Michaels into the match. So they were just, uh, they they essentially spent spent uh, two weeks or whatever, two or three weeks trying to get heat on Shawn Michaels and put him in Lawler's position. And what we got was this garbage, and then Shawn Michaels for no reason making jokes about Stu and Helen Hart when he upon his return to Monday Night Raw. I understand they were in a sticky wicket here, but damn, this was bad, bad stuff. Yep. Um, so the next match isn't a terrible match. We have IRS versus Marty Janetti. Um, the match was decent. I, yeah. I I'm, not huge, I'm not a huge Mike. I'm not a huge micro Rotunda fan. If he's not IRS, um, I know that's off topic from the show but just because the wrestlers are there we discussed the wrestlers so I, I don't know like do you agree with me though like watching boring. him watching him in Atlantic or WCW or if he's boring. not if he's not in that gimmick boring yeah i mean good good hand good wrestler you know i take nothing away from his his ability in the ring but the the IRS gimmick gave him something at least you know some meat on the bone something to something to grip to like my, my, one of my favorite moments in wrestling history is him. I mean, I, I love Royal Rumble 94 when he comes out and goes, "Oh look, all the tax cheats in Providence, Rhode Island or all the tax cheats in Rhode Island showed up here tonight in Providence." That's a great line. <laughs> but without yep. that gimmick, he wouldn't have those lines.
1: He was boring.
0: But this was a decent match in the ring. Uh, something I put down here. Hotlines. They are pushing them hotlines in this show. For those of you that are new, newer or younger people listening to this show, we have some that uh, you know have only ever known the internet. Before the internet, there were the hotlines, and I didn't dare call one of them fuckers because my mom would have skinned me alive. I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to hear who's jumping to WCW next week or I wanted to hear who's who's coming back to the WWF but uh, I had to wait. I had to wait till the show actually aired because if I'd have called one of them 900 lines, whew, our mom would have lit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Anything about our IRS and Marty here
1: it was it was the it was all right.
0: Mar- or IRS goes over <clears throat> so now we get a fe- a for feud a foreign fanatics promo this is the opposite team from those all Americans we heard from earlier you got Ludwig Borga um,
1: it's like a collection of awesome <laughs> yeah,
0: you got Ludwig Borga crush
1: the mountie the mountie and oh. Yokozuna. The
0: WWF champion, Yokozuna.
1: And they're out there with Jim Cornette, Johnny Polo, and Mr. Fuji. This and, is a collection of awesome. Yes,
0: and I put here, isn't it awesome to have the promos of Raven and Jim Cornette in one place? Because I'm not a gigantic fan of Scott Levy in the ring, but I am a gigantic fan of Scott Levy as a personality. Um, yeah. Yeah whether whether it be whether it be Johnny hotbody Scotty Flamingo Johnny Polo Raven doesn't matter I love I love or as himself in a shoot interview I love Scott levy as a personality so this was great and of course corny I mean corny's corny that's yeah. that's uh, this gold it's gold
1: it's gold Jerry
0: it's gold Jerry. <laughs> Anything, anything you want to say on this other than, uh, other than the, the just the the mass of talent on that stage?
1: Uh, Jim Cornette kept calling him to Tonto. <laughs> to Tonto. To Tonto. He called, at first, he was like, "Oh, we're all going to talk about Tonto, the Vanishing Indian." <laughs> Already eliminated. It was, uh, that made me laugh. <coughs> and. And I know he was there for a long time and everything like that, but he was like he was like flair to me. Like the whole time he was there at like that time mm-hmm. it was weird seeing him there.
0: Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Cause it was it was uh especially at that at that time in that era you know, you you didn't you never expected the 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 crazy Southern manager from WCW to be on the WWF.
1: Just right. feel like by the time like the In Your House era came around and stuff like that, because he was pretty he was pretty much you know the manager or the the heel man. You know what I mean? Yeah, he became but, the Bobby Heenan. Yeah, he was the nucleus of a lot of stuff when the In Your House during the In Your House series and everything like that. It was normal, but when he first got there. Like ninety three to like ninety four, it was just weird. Even watching it now, just like it just seems weird <laughs> see he hadn't he hadn't WWF'd his gimmick yet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd same say same with Flair. Flair I always thought when he was there at first, even when he was the champ and stuff, it still seemed weird.
0: I'd say that I, I'd say that Corny to me <coughs> WWF'd up, I guess is the expression I'll use the first time that he didn't seem awkward was WrestleMania ten. For some reason. Like, you know, he's got he's got that different kind of suit on. You know, it's it's a little more flat. He got that Sgt. Pepper jacket, you know. It's sure. a little it's a little more WWF flashy. And you know, I'm
1: like, sure there's people that felt the same way like when like Waller showed up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, we lived in Toledo, Ohio, to so yeah. get a lot of Memphis wrestling, yeah. obviously, a, you know what we I mean? Got exposed so, to,
0: I, I didn't become a gigantic fan, I'm, I'm, like, Memphis wrestling is my favorite territory of all time, but that didn't happen until, until the internet, where I could watch, you know what I mean, where I could yeah. watch Memphis wrestling.
1: And so, really, to me and you, I mean, we obviously knew who Jerry Lawler was, because mm-hmm. we could read magazines and... It's that and the other thing, but it wasn't weird when Jerry Lawler was on WWE or because, WWF. Because
0: we hadn't experienced Jerry Lawler in Memphis, like, as a whole.
1: Yeah, but yeah. it was just weird when, like, those are the two that stood out to me. It's just, when they first came in, it was like, this is weird.
0: <laughs> I agree with you on Flair, too. Like, you watch the early, like, I'm just going to use this as an example, Survivor Series 91. When Flair's in that Survivor Series team against Piper's Survivor Series team. Not that Flair is bad, of course. He's the greatest, you know, he's the greatest. But he just, that WWE, you're right, the WWF look and the WWF style of programming, at that point he still just didn't didn't fit in. I don't know if that first run, if he fit in at all. Ever. That's what
1: I'm saying, he, he didn't. It was cool. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so now we come to a Survivor Series report. I miss these. That's what I wrote down. I miss I miss the, the, the pay per view reports, you know, with the guy just standing there and talking about what the card is. This kind of disappeared in the ninety six, ninety seven era where you went to the Monday Night Wars. They'd they'd have a match in the ring but they'd run down the pay per view like off on that side panel, you know? Yeah. Um and it went away during that time, and I understand why. You know, you're competing for ratings and and, and having that downtime with Todd Pettengill just talking about the pay-per-view on the TV, whereas the other guys are going to have a match going on in the ring. Um, I understand why it went away, but I do miss that. I miss the, you know, okay, this guy, oh, we're going to have a new match announced during the pay-per-view report this week. Instead of, you know, the way it is today where the match is just, Come up, you know they haven't. WWE hasn't even announced a match for TLC yet, and it's a week away. It's just—it's crazy how things have changed over the past. What is this? Twenty? This is twenty-six years ago. Um, but yeah, I I, miss—I miss miss the pay-per-view reports.
1: I do too. Um, I just this—I don't—I don't miss the the graphic lead-in thing to it. That was annoying. It was like some train thing or whatever. Oh, it was yeah, super that, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. That was annoying.
1: <laughs> it's like,
0: Wah! Wah!
1: like, what is going on? But, yeah. I, I just got to tell you, though, like, if this was now, and I was... This thing was like... This show was the make or break on whether or not I was going to order the Survivor Series 93 which isn't a bad show when you watch it. The show is not leaving me wanting to watch Survivor Series 1993. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was like, oh, I'm going to order this pay-per-view, and then I would watch this show and be like, uh... This might be, this might be one of the worst WWF-produced things I've ever seen in my life.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we... <laughs>
1: It's bad, man.
0: It is. It's it's pretty bad. Like you know, to me the worst WWF produced thing ever, and it it's because of of the, the, the event, okay? It's because of what the event is. And to me it's just so sad. And I, I see what you're saying with this, but to me, like the the, the low point of WWF is WrestleMania eleven. And, and and by saying that, what I mean is that was Wrestlemania and it is it is poorly produced. <laughs> you know, the audience is I, I don't... Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This is Wrestlemania and we have audio problems and video problems and just like shit's all fucked up and it's just like to me, Wrestlemania 11 is the low point of the WWF.
1: Well... But I see as, what I see what as you're as, saying with this TV show. This is this is bad. <laughs> like I would have, whoever wrote this, I would have fired them. I have, who put this show together? Who wrote this? They're fired.
0: Richard, you're fired.
1: <laughs> Get out the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> so now we move on to the main event, and um, I wrote down. Of course, this was good. You have Brett the Hitman Hart against the WWF Champion Yokozuna. And I really liked this match. And watching this match back, um, the the cool thing about some of this hidden gems shit, by the way, is like this 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 show, good or bad. I mean, whatever. But good or bad, this is the first time I've watched this show since it aired. Um, you know, you know what I mean. Like this is this is new to me in a way. Um. This Yoko Brett match, I thought, of course, two of the best workers ever. And they had a fantastic match. And, um, I wrote down Yoko was so good. Like for... I think that he was taken for granted at the time by us fans. Because that guy, for his size, what the fuck? He's amazing. That guy was fucking amazing. Um... Now you get into like your 95 and 96 where he really, really, I mean, just wasn't taking care of himself and, and all that, you know, I, I understand now. And again, you're, you're, you're thinking back, you're looking back as a different kind of fan Uh, From watching then to watching now. I understand. Like, I always thought back then, I was like, man, Owen Hart and Yokozuna is a weird team. I like it, but it's weird that they put these two guys together. But you look back on it now, and it's like, aha, (laughs) Yoko is super out of shape. (laughs) Yoko, ain't the Yoko he was two, three years ago.
1: It's not the same thing, but it's the the reason they put Haku with uh, Andre the Giant.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's like a different dynamic, like... Yeah. I and Owen Hart are different types of wrestlers, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's
0: it's you're putting you're putting your guy that can go in there with your guy that's your attraction. But at this yeah. time, Yoko was still fucking balls to the wall, good, so good. And Brett and Yoko having a, a really good match here. Actually, the funny thing about this is this is this this throwaway. Build up to the Survivor Series match, and I actually liked this match better than I liked the WrestleMania Nine match and the WrestleMania Ten match.
1: Yeah, it's a good match, and Yoko uses a chair, and Fuji's involved, and it's 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 fun.
0: And and I also put here that um, um, during this match, there's a part of Bobby Heenan that I think sometimes didn't doesn't get addressed. I didn't write it down any. Uh, specific quotes, but Bobby is the funniest, sharpest, wittiest man in not only wrestling but ever, um, but also, and this is much like the, the Royal Rumble 92 with Ric Flair, Bobby Heenan, when Bobby, the, the great thing about Heenan being as sharp, witty, and funny as he is, is when Bobby Heenan is serious, you take it so seriously. Yeah, because you're like, oh, damn, the funny guy is serious right now, and during this match, there were moments where Bobby was very serious, and I just noticed that in his commentary, and I was, I just wanted to point that out. Like, it, he is the greatest performer in wrestling history. We've discussed right. that on the show before. Like, yeah, hands down, win, lose or draw. Yeah, Hogan's the biggest. Hogan and Austin are the biggest draws ever. Rock has the most charisma. Michaels and, and Flair and Jericho and Brett were the best workers. Bobby's all around the best thing ever in wrestling. Um, you're not going to get any debate from either one of us on that. But um, So anything else about this match? I mean, we have the Owen Hart situation, situation at the end there.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. It was kind of weird how he just came out.
0: Yeah, and and it was, again, I think that... I wonder that, and that's something I wanted to... I didn't write it down, but I was thinking it when I... Do you think that...
1: That was the seeds for him turning?
0: Well, yeah, obviously it was the seeds for him turning, but what I'm talking about is the way this booking went down. You know, you have Shawn Michaels having to be in the match because of Lawler shit. Lawler shit. So, do you think... I don't know because I don't know if that I've ever heard anybody that was there and in the know at the time talk about it. If Lawler doesn't get in trouble, if Lawler isn't removed from Survivor Series, do we get the Owen Hart heel turn? Like, does I that? Think so. You think so?
1: Yeah, but I think it would have been a little different.
0: Do you think on that show?
1: No, I think I just think it would have been a little different. I think I think Lawler would have been more involved in it.
0: Okay, because. I mean, if you look at the build from from this, like, if, okay, if you if you if you go before the Lawler shit comes down, and you have to change things, it looks like booking wise, you're booking toward Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler at WrestleMania ten.
1: Yeah, I just I think Lawler would have been involved. Maybe
0: Lawler's maybe Lawler's like what they cast Jim Nighthart as later.
1: Something like, I just think Lawler would have been like, I got your brother to turn against you, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing.
0: And would that have been as effective?
1: I don't know. Probably not. But yeah, I, think, well, it, I think it's dumb at the Survivor Series. Like, it's just Why didn't they just have, like, <laughs> why didn't just have Shawn Michaels come back and just kick Brett in the face? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, Shawn Michaels can be like, I hired these mercenaries. Who are your mercenaries? Well, it's uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Barry Horowitz, and Jeff Gaylord. Yeah. Why do you have to have... Why is he still knights? Like, why does Shawn Michaels have knights? (laughs) Wasn't fun. Why is he going to an obviously, like, an obvious, like, roadside hotel trying to say it's the Hart family...
0: So, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off, but right now on my TV screen, as we're recording, is uh, the Vengeance 2007 pay-per-view. Okay? And they just showed, like, highlights of Tony Gurria and Rick Martel as tag team champions. And then Tony Gurria and Rick Martel, you know, get to stand up for the audience in the arena Tony yeah. Garcia and Rick Martell at this point look like a regional director and district manager in retail. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway,
1: totally I off. They're track. gonna be like, they look like an old, two old guys that finally decided to let every know everybody know they've been a couple since the eighties. <laughs> Somebody told me that the next Frozen movie that Elsa chick's gonna be a lesbian.
0: I think they actually um, shot that down, and it's not gonna happen now. And I'm glad. I've never seen. I've never seen the original Frozen because, quite frankly, um,
1: I've seen pieces of it, it, it wasn't, but I just. It wasn't, I made the. I made a joke because I was like, "Oh, she's gonna come out of the ice chest, huh?"
0: <laughs> it wasn't a. It wasn't a movie that I watched as a child. 'Cause I'm gonna be honest, since I got Disney Plus, yes, folks, I have watched Fox and the Hound. Um and it wasn't a movie that my kids were small and wanted you know what I mean. Well, you know. You know, you, you they're your niece and nephew, you know, we watch the same fucking movies all the time because they were little and wanted to watch the same fucking animated movie all the time. But Frozen has come out is something that has come out since uh, I've grown up and my kids have grown up, so I've never even seen Frozen, but Um, yeah, apparently they were thinking about doing that. And my thinking on that is why, like, why, why would we ever even need to do that? And that's not a, that's not a, a, prejudice thing at all, but why does, why does a cartoon character's sexuality even have to be an issue in a cartoon? I don't know. It just, I just, anyway. I
1: just thought the ice chest joke was funny.
0: It was. It was indeed funny. So at the end of this uh, summer or this SummerSlam, the Survivor Series lead up show,
1: Oscar uh, comes out and sings about all the stuff he ate too much out of, it gave him diabetes.
0: This was fucking weird.
1: And like made this, his feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> his
0: feet. I don't know if anybody, uh, uh, have we told this story on the show yet? about you and your feud with Oscar from Men on a Mission?
1: Yeah, guys always mean like me.
0: Okay, so Aaron and I go to, um, to um, the Heroes and Legends of Wrestling shows that are in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and... And there's always, you know, we go because the convention, they have a convention and, and, you know, we can get collectibles and, and wrestlers, wrestlers from our youth are there to sign autographs and speak to them and anything, any of you all do. But, um, Oscar from men on a mission is at all of these shows (laughs) making an appearance. And every time, next time we're at one, did you take a picture last time or did I, did one of us take a picture of this? I
1: I took a picture of him.
0: Okay. But he wasn't mean mugging you at the
1: time. No, I took a faraway picture of him, and it was kind of blurry. And I just it was like, "Just so y'all know, he's really that blurry in real life."
0: <laughs> Oscar is constantly mean mugging Aaron, like looking at that motherfucker, like you mother. And I'm That's wondering it... if I'm wondering if it is at one point he heard you make one of your diabetes jokes <laughs> about him, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, look at this fucking honky! He's here again." Making diabetes jokes about Oscar.
1: Like I said, he looks like he's saying feats. He'd <laughs> be like, "I got to get off my feet. Sit down for a little bit."
0: <laughs> but it is—he is—he is always giving Aaron the mean mug at those
1: shows. So it—and it, he doesn't do anything. Like that's my thing too. Like he just joke. sits there like a lump. Staring off in the distance, not wondering why nobody's coming over to take a picture with him. It's like get up, interact, in, do something. In a purple windbreaker. Every time. Purple windbreaker. And then it's like just get up and do something. He did then he comes actually up, the last show. He comes show. Out, he, come, he now, comes out on the show and then he raps and yeah. lights it up. And it's like why wouldn't you have that personality you're sitting there trying to make money?
0: <laughs> I was about to say at the last show he did, he came down the aisle and gave us a rap.
1: We and it was mission. good. It was exciting. We on a mission. Yeah, but this thing just raps about all the stuff he's not allowed to eat no more.
0: <laughs> and it's weird. Like, it was like, what the fuck is this on this show for? You just had a great main event. Just go home. <laughs> but you gotta put this fucking shit on here. That's it, folks. Sunday Night Slam, nineteen
1: ninety three. Those sucked.
0: Leading up to the Survivor Series, which was a decent pay per view, but not great.
1: Yes, go out of your way to not watch it. Yes, go out
0: of your way to not watch it. I just said. All right, so we're going to take a break here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and when we return, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about comedy. We're going to talk about funny motherfuckers on this show. Top ten funny top 10 fun it's hard for me to say it i don't know why maybe it's because i'm drinking beer top 10 funny fuckers coming up on the we can't wrestle podcast right after this stay tuned for more of the show well there you have it ladies and gents Episode 81 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, like I said, a an abridged version of the show, unfortunately. Uh, I am going to keep working on this, this file to see if maybe, I mean, this might be a bonus episode, something in the future. I can use this file still. It was a great conversation, really funny, but uh, just having a problem with that file. I want to remind you, as we uh, sign off for this week, that can join our Facebook group. A lot of you like the the Facebook page, have not yet joined the Facebook group. Go ahead and do that. Join up. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Uh, We talk wrestling. You can participate in the show. Um, Lots of good times had in the We Can't Wrestle podcast group on Facebook. Do that. Also, We are now available on iHeartRadio, so you can uh, get the show on any podcast app that you like. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors about the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.